New York City at Christmas time is breathtaking. Ryan and Ashley flew there from Florida to spend three days in Manhattan. It was beautiful and it was busy. One of their friends drove them around town. Traffic was so tightly packed they felt like they could reach out the window and open the glove compartment of the car beside them. Yellow cabs with silver bumpers were everywhere. The bumpers used to be yellow, but it's not really a good day for a cabbie in New York unless they've traded a little paint. One of the highlights of that trip was a little shopping trip to Chinatown. Ryan wanted a baseball cap, but he did not want to pay full price. And Chinatown was famous for bargaining, but Ryan wasn't exactly the bargaining kind of guy. His friend coached him on how to get the best price. Hey, listen, man, they'll sell for high, you offer low. They'll say no, you walk out. Then you meet in the middle. That's how the game is played. Ryan gave it a shot. He walked into a shop, saw the baseball cap on the shelf, and asked, Hey, uh, how much for the Braves hat? 20 bucks. Take 15. 20. Sold. (laughs) Maybe next time. Everybody wants to pay as little as possible to get as much as possible. Peter was no better at the game than Ryan. Peter walked in the store and saw Jesus standing behind the counter. Mercy was sitting on every shelf and on the counter and on the racks and in the windows. Mercy was everywhere in this shop. But Peter knew Jesus. He knew how much Jesus valued mercy. So rather than insult Jesus by asking to pay less for it, he offered Jesus above asking price. The rabbis down the street were selling mercy for three bucks a day. They taught if a brother sins against you, God calls you to forgive him three times. After that, you're off the hook. But Peter knew Jesus was more merciful than most. In fact, he was more merciful than everyone. Peter opened up his wallet, pulled out three bills, then three more, and one more for good measure. He offered Jesus well above asking price. Jesus, if my brother sins against me, how many times should I forgive him? Up to seven times? You want me to be merciful, Jesus? Can do. Seven times seemed mighty merciful to Peter, especially since the going rate was three times. Jesus took a glance at mercy all throughout the shop and replied, Not seven, Peter. Seventy times seven. Then Jesus told this story, and I'll tell it to you right after this. Welcome to God's Word for Life Lesson Companion Podcast, brought to you by Word of Flame Curriculum and the Pentecostal Publishing House. This podcast encourages adult disciples to think deeply about God's Word, further develop their personal relationship with Jesus Christ, and make a greater commitment to the purpose and plan of God for their lives. Let's dive into today's lesson and explore what it means to live out God's Word in our lives. Welcome back, God's Word for Life listeners. You're listening to L.J. Harry. I'm your God's Word for Life companion podcast host. And you're listening to the God's Word for Life Companion Podcast. Happy to have you with me. Today's episode stems from a lesson dated June 18th, 2023, entitled 70 Times 7. And it stems from Matthew 18, verses 21 through 22. Then came Peter to him and said, Lord, how oft shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Till seven times? Jesus saith unto him, I say not unto thee until seven times, but until seventy times seven. Right after those verses we read, Jesus started his story. Matthew 18, verse 23, Therefore is the kingdom of heaven likened to a certain king which would take account of his servants. The king decided to review the accounting books to see who owed him money and how much they owed. Then, 
It was up to his collections department to demand payment for all debts. That accounting audit revealed a debtor who owed him 10,000 talents. One New Testament scholar calculated it would take that servant 144,000 lifetimes to pay off that debt. It was more debt than there were coins in the known world. It would be gajillions of dollars in today's economy. The amount the debtor owed was so great, he was never going to be able to pay that debt. Jesus and his audience knew what that meant for the man and his family. But for as much as he had not to pay, his Lord commanded him to be sold and his wife and children and all that he had in payment to be made. Matthew 18, verse 25. And that still would not even begin to chip away at the Everest-sized debt he owed. Since the servant couldn't pay, the king sentenced him and his family to slavery and demanded all their possessions be sold and the proceeds given to the king. But that didn't come close to paying it. Slaves at top price were sometimes sold for one talent each, but many times they were sold for a tenth of a talent. And one last plea for mercy. The indebted servant fell to his knees and begged for more time. That made no sense all the time in his lifetime, even if given 144,000 lifetimes would not be enough. But suddenly Jesus' story took a surprising turn. Then the Lord of that servant was moved with compassion and loosed him and forgave him the debt. Matthew 18, verse 27. Just like that, his debt was gone. The king did not mock him. He forgave him. The king felt compassion for this man and didn't just lower his debt. He forgave it. What overwhelming joy! The crushing debt was gone. He and his family were safe. His property was secure. They were saved. Thank you. Thank you. I could never receive a greater gift than what you gave me. Thank you. That's joy. That's rejoicing. That brings us to our first question. How would you respond if you were forgiven of a debt you knew you could not pay? This is a snapshot of the mercy of God when he forgives all our sins. Our sins are like a debt we owe to God. Our debt of sin is so huge, we can never repay it. Because we can't pay, we face great judgment. But God, in his even greater compassion, forgives us when we come to him and freely acknowledge we have no means to pay. Thank God he forgives the debt we could never pay. This story also gives us insight into how great our sins are from God's point of view. Many of us think of ourselves as pretty good. I'm, I'm an okay guy. I've not done too much bad stuff in my life. I'm certainly better than most people. At least that's how we think. And we might be better than most and maybe even good from our limited human view. We think we're better than most people in the world. We might not be great saints, but thank God we're not great sinners. And yet we tend to minimize our own sin by thinking it's not that bad. But we have no accurate sense of the number of times We have failed to follow God's word. No matter how we feel about our sins, God is pure and sinless. He is holy. We are like poor servants owing a debt of 10,000 talents in unpayable debt, and our only hope is for our gracious king to have compassion on us and announce to us, I forgive you. You owe me nothing. Your debt is paid. The penalty for our unpaid sins is eternal death and separation from God in hell. 
All we can do is bow our knees to our king and plead for mercy. And yet when we do, we find a king gracious and good, ready to forgive, just waiting for us to ask him so he can forgive us. Jesus was sinless and didn't deserve to die, but he willingly died in our place. God said his death would be a substitute for ours if we turn to Jesus in faith. The cross, it's all about Jesus paying the debt we could never pay. Next question. Really want you to think about this one. Why do we see our sins as small, but others as great? And how does God see our sins compared to others' sins? Then the story took another turn, a surprising but an unpleasant one. Our friend who was just forgiven of his unpayable debt went out and found one of his fellow servants which owed him an hundred pence. And he laid hands on him and took him by the throat, saying, Pay me that thou owest. It's kind of hard to sound really dramatic in King James English. Matthew 18, verse 28. Our freshly forgiven friend ran out of the throne room and sought out a man who owed him a debt. He grabbed his debtor by the throat and choked him, demanding he pay back everything he owed. The second debtor in Jesus' parable only owed his friend a hundred pence. That'd take about, some estimate, from one month to three months to pay back the debt. This debt was payable. It was pennies compared to the millions, the billions, the trillions, the quadrillions the first servant owed the king. The second servant responded just like the first. And his fellow servant fell down at his feet and besought him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. Matthew 18, verse 29. But here is the unpleasant turn. Here is where the trumpets turn into steel guitars and the the major chords turn minor. No matter how merciful the king had been to the first servant, his heart was unmoved by his fellow servant's plea for mercy. And he threw him into prison until he could pay the debt, debtor's prison. He would remain imprisoned until family or friends could gather the amount of money owed or until the prisoner could work off all the debt. Again, maybe a month up to three of paychecks, he would have paid it off. What in the world just happened there? That kind of shocking, unconscionable behavior could not remain hidden. Some of the king's other servants witnessed this ungrateful act and told the king everything they had seen. Doubtless these other servants heard of the extraordinary kindness the king had shown the first servant. So when they saw how cruelly he treated his fellow servant, they couldn't believe what they saw and what they heard. They couldn't believe it as the second servant was hauled off and carried down the street on the way to debtor's prison. They couldn't believe the hypocrisy, the ingratitude. How could you act that way after everything you have been forgiven? Let's put ourselves in the servant's sandals. How would you have felt if you were that second servant? How would you have felt if you were the other servants witnessing this degree of ingratitude? When the king learned what the first servant had done, the king was shocked and furious. Some people you don't want to make upset. Your boss and the king, and when they're both the same, you really want to steer clear. Matthew 18 reads, Then his Lord, after that he had called him, said unto him, O thou wicked servant, I forgave thee all that debt because thou desirest me. Shouldest not thou also have had compassion on thy fellow servant, even as I had pity on thee? And his Lord was wroth and delivered him to the tormentors till he should pay back all that was due unto him. Matthew 18, 
verses 32 through 34. The king summoned the servant to return to the throne room and called him wicked. The forgiven servant failed to show the same kind of mercy to others that he had received himself from the king. And the king said, you should have treated him as I treated you. You should have had mercy. But because you refused to be merciful, you've disqualified yourself from receiving mercy. And now that unpayable debt that he was forgiven, it was his to pay again. The first servant was thrown into prison himself until he could pay back all his debt. But everybody knew he would die in prison. Here's another question. Do you feel this response by the king was just? Are you surprised the king rescinded his forgiveness and required his servant to pay the debt he previously forgave? It's an interesting point in the story. In case we missed the powerful point of this powerful story, Jesus made it very plain. So likewise shall my heavenly Father do also unto you, if ye from your hearts forgive not every one his brother their trespasses. Matthew 18, verse 35. A forgiving God requires us to forgive others. I must forgive. You must forgive. And why? Our debt owed to God is infinitely greater compared to any debt a person could owe us. If God was willing to forgive us of our unpayable debt, we must be willing to forgive others their much smaller debts. And if we refuse to forgive, not just struggle, because forgiveness is hard. It's always hard, but it's always right. So it's not just if we struggle to forgive, but if we refuse, willfully refuse to forgive, Jesus explicitly taught God will not forgive us. In Jesus' sermon in Matthew 6, he taught us to pray and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Matthew 6, verses 12 through 15. Jesus is calling us to forgive, else we will not be forgiven. Think of it like an open hand. If forgiveness is in your hand to offer, but you close your fist to forgive others, how can God put forgiveness into your own hand if you won't open it up to forgive others? Remember, Jesus was answering Peter's question about how often we are to forgive others by saying, no, Peter, I know you think you're being generous by saying seven, but no, 70 times seven. This is difficult. Depending on the sin committed against us, it could be revolting or offensive to us to think we need to forgive. We might have difficulty with Jesus' teaching on forgiveness in this story because we don't believe our sins against God could be such a huge, unpayable debt. As far as we know, we haven't really hurt anybody else, and we haven't really been that wicked toward anybody else, so we can't believe our sins against God are really quite as bad as they are or as bad as somebody's sins against us. But in this story, Jesus was showing us how God views sin and the situation. Our being born in sin and the cumulative sins we just keep piling up and committing against him by breaking his law and his heart are greater than somebody else's sins against us. So if God forgave us the greater sin, we must forgive others. Otherwise, we disqualify ourselves from being forgiven by God. We close our fist and God cannot put mercy in our own hand. In addition to being forgiven, 
there are great benefits to forgiving others. Studies show that some of the benefits of forgiveness are improved mental health, less anxiety and stress, fewer issues with depression, and so forth. It's good to know and it's good to experience all these benefits, but the potential benefits are not why Jesus commanded us to forgive. He commanded us to forgive simply because God has forgiven us. That is the right reason for forgiveness. No more, no less. Last question before we wrap up. What benefits have you felt from forgiving others? Okay, we're going to wrap this up. Now, this teaching is tough, and I get it. Some of you may have really been wronged, neglected, abused, betrayed, abandoned, lied on, lied to, lied about. Offense is real. Hurt is real. Pain is real. Trauma is real. And yet unforgiveness does not heal you. Unforgiveness actually hurts you. Unforgiveness is a wicked warden. It lays the key to the cell, on the bench beside you in the cell. And all you have to do is pick up the key, unlock the cell, forgive what they have done, and walk free. But unforgiveness tells you that you shouldn't just walk free. They should pay for what they did, and you should sit here until you see them pay, and you see them judged, and you see them suffer for what they did. The problem is, Those who have hurt you, many times they just walk free and you're the one in prison. Isn't it time today you pick up the key? You ask God to give you grace and strength and courage to forgive. You offer forgiveness and then you walk free. I want to pray today that God would help us to forgive others. It is difficult, but it's right. And I want to pray for God to heal us from the hurts others have caused. Doubtless we have hurt others, and doubtless others have hurt us. So let's pray together for God to help us forgive others, and then God to heal us from the hurts others have caused us. Lord Jesus, I thank you for mercy. You are abundantly more merciful than I could ever imagine. Thank you for your kindness and your goodness, Lord. Thank you for your mercy and your grace. Help us, God, give us grace today to forgive Give us grace to forgive real hurt, real pain, real trauma, real offense. I ask you today, Lord, if there's anybody in my life I have not forgiven, anybody against whom I hold a grudge or anybody I'm bitter with, Lord, forgive me, I pray, for holding that in. And I ask you, forgive them. And Lord, I forgive them. I forgive them for what they've done. I forgive them for what they've said. I forgive them for what they didn't do or didn't say that I felt like they should have. I forgive them. And I ask you to forgive them as well. I I ask you just as you prayed on the cross and as Stephen prayed as he was being martyred, don't hold their sin against them. Forgive them. Don't hold it to their account. God, I forgive. I ask you today to heal me, heal all those who are listening of the hurts others have caused. I pray, God, you would mend those wounds. You would minister. I I feel your presence right now, God, wanting to and willing to forgive and heal, and I thank you for that. Lord Jesus, have your way. Bless everyone listening to this episode. I pray you'd work miracles of mercy in our lives today in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you. 
God's Word for Life listeners, this is a holy moment. Feel the presence of God, the mercy of God, willing and waiting to forgive us, heal us, and help us forgive others. Please be sure to follow, like, share. If you know somebody who's been hurt and perhaps they're having some trouble forgiving, would you please share this episode with them and say, hey, just listen to this, give it a chance, and allow God to work a miracle of healing and mercy in your own life. Thank you so much for being a part of the God's Word for Life podcast and family. Great resources at PentecostalPublishing.com. You can pick them up. Use God's Word for Life's promo code, which is GWFL10, GWFL, the number 10, and you can get 10% off your order the first time you use that promo code. Next week, we'll pick up the last episode in this series, The Power of Forgiveness, and what a powerful series it has been. And it is called the tale of two thieves, and it's all about the two who were crucified right beside Jesus. I'm really looking forward to sharing that episode with you next week, and always look forward to learning and living out God's Word for Life. Thank you for listening to God's Word for Life Lesson Companion Podcast, where together we explore what it means to live out God's Word in our lives. If you haven't yet, make sure to subscribe to this podcast. And if you are looking for other Bible study tools and resources to encourage you in your walk with God, visit us today at PentecostalPublishing.com.